Hello, and welcome to episode 143 of Constructing Comics, a podcast, building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Bill Cologne, comics creator, who has an awesome new Kickstarter going on for Kinetics Identity. Identities, excuse me. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my Constructing Comics co-host, Noah. Hey there. And Bill, thanks so much for, for joining us uh, on the podcast. Before we get into the sort of the meat of the making comics talk, uh, why don't you give us a quick bio about yourself and a little bit about the comics that you make? Uh, yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's just a pleasure to come on here and just uh, chat. So thank you. Uh, well, my name is Bill Colon. Yeah. I am the writer and creator of Kinetic. Um, and the publisher for Y Comics, which is the imprint that I print them out of. Um, I've been doing this now since 2016. I want to say in late 2017 and the start of 2018, that's when we started going around doing conventions. And uh, I, um, I did Kinetic Volume 1, which was eight issues. I have the Kickstarter Live for Kinetic Identities number one to Kinetic number nine and uh, getting into this new volume. Very cool. So um, just to sort of recap for, for myself. So Kinetic uh, volume one is uh, one to eight. And this is sort of, I guess, if you were doing legacy numbers, this is nine, but you're starting this off as Kinetic Identities uh, one. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Cool. Um, so... That would lead me to the question, um, would I need to read the, the first eight issues or is there a way to sort of come in at this point as well? Uh, that's one of the reasons that we're not using the legacy number and actually starting out with a new number one for this new volume. I would love for everyone to read the first kinetic one through eight and then also read this. But if you're coming in totally dry, you can start out with kinetic identities number one without knowing anything that happened previous. Uh, everything in the story will catch you up. Very cool. And did, do you sort of have like a like an elevator pitch or a log line for for this new issue? Yes. Well, for the series, um, for the series kinetic, uh, imagine that you're developing superpowers, but there's just one problem: your city already has a hero. That hero's kind of a jerk. He doesn't really care. And you think you can do a better job. And it becomes kind of a, a superhero turf war. Very cool. And uh, so you said that 2016 is when you started to, I guess, get serious about making comics. Um, so was this something that you had the idea in your head for, for quite some time? <laughs> um, so Kinetic started out as just a thought that came in my mind one day prob and it was probably around 2011, 2012. And this is all that it started out as. I thought that kinetic would be a cool name for a hero. Like I was like, man, if I'm making a superhero book, kinetic would be a cool name. And I kind of jotted that down, logged it down somewhere, but I didn't do anything at all with it. I was just like, okay, just going about working, you know, going about my daily life. And I forget when it was because I had written some I'd written some comic scripts around the maybe the 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. And then later on when it got to maybe 
2014, 2015, I said, you know, this is something that I really want to do. And just that name, Kinetic, I always thought it was going to be a good name. Uh, so sat down and said, okay, well, if it's a, this, what's it going to be? And then next thing you know, I had a book. And then I had a next thing you know, I had a script. And then I had a book. And then I had a full series. That's pretty awesome. Because I know that, like, if you think there's, there's some creators that sort of uh, – I know, like, for example, like David Lynch, like, you know, he's he's big into like meditation and sort of like sometimes it'll just be like an image that he sees and that image will sort of stay with him. And then, you know, I think for like Blue Velvet, it was like, uh, uh, you know, the 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 severed ear like in a field. And then he sort of built the whole story from there. But like what you hear you had was you had sort of like this cool name, this sort of intriguing thing. You're like, you know, if I was going to do superheroes, kinetic is an awesome name for it but then from there you you took that sort of kernel of an idea and you built everything from there yeah and i muse about that every now and then because there's a lot of independent comic creators that they are working on properties that they came up with when they were in middle school and high school and then just kind of like almost all of us do get into the daily nine to five grind and then came back to that later and i I, for one, I want nothing to do with it, anything that I came up with when I was in middle school. Uh, I think back to some of my, and like one of my first comic strips that, that I wrote kind of seriously, I would never want to touch it again. I would never want to produce it. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of us, we have that, uh, you know, there's the, the 10,000 hours rule, but there's also sort of like that that bad sort of learning curve you know first effort that everybody needs to put in so if you were if you were knocking those out in middle school um you, you got a head start there yeah i can definitely see that uh that's something else that i like to muse on every now and then um create like i came into comics writing and the comics field pretty late in life i mean i didn't know i wanted to really start doing this seriously until at least my late 20s and it was probably more my early 30s that i said this is something that i really want to do you know aside from you know when i was you know younger in elementary school and you know drawing comics and writing comics back way back then but i mean that was that was nothing that i care to go back to now but i think of i think of creators like brian michael bendis where he knew he wanted to be a comics. He knew he wanted to do comics as for a living when he was like a teenager. Mm -hmm. So everything, every decision that he made from junior high up, he made that with the intention on becoming a comics writer. And I definitely see, yeah, I definitely see that. I, I wish that I had done that because I would have been a little bit further ahead than I am now. Yeah. I, uh, I, I got a little bit later start than you and I, I, I kicked myself for the uh, to not getting started earlier, but I also sort of, um, I always sort of love that uh, inspirational meme that sometimes goes around that Jack Kirby didn't uh, draw Fantastic Four until he was in his, his, his 40s. So that, uh, that makes me feel better at times as well. Yeah. And it's one thing nice about uh, getting older. I mean, if I had, if I had, been working on comics series and making the books that I am making now, you know, 10 years ago, you know, what, what would I have come up with? It probably would have been some, you know, edge, super edge Lord nihilistic <laughs> stuff. 
Uh, whereas now I think uh, I've matured more. So I think I can, I think I'm a better writer and person for it. That's awesome. And when, so what, what are the inspirations for kinetic as a superhero comic? Um, like what were, where was the, what was the inception of the idea for this character? So when I was designing, when I was first, I came up with the name, you know, you had the name kinetic. I'm like, all right, cool name. Okay. Now I need a costume. And it was nice because the costume I almost had kind of a vision of, it was just going to be that K across the torso. Uh, similar to like the Superman shield, the big S on the chest, but, you know, putting my own unique spin on it. Um, I'm a huge fan of old uh, Golden Age, Silver Age comics, and I really wanted that old school superhero vibe, but with the modern sensibilities nowadays. Hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? So I wanted something a little bit more, and for a long time, comics had gotten so dark and gritty, and. Uh, I just wanted something that was definitely more of a reconstruction rather than a uh, deconstruction. That's interesting. And I kind of want, I'm, I'm actually curious for you to go into that more about, uh, so, so I guess the first part is sort of like the modern sensibilities because a lot of people equate dark and gritty with modern. And, um, but you sort of, you, you, you sort of distinguish those two as one is modern sensibilities and one is dark and gritty and your comic is definitely not dark and gritty. So I guess what, what are you bringing into it as far as sort of like modern sensibilities then? Uh, you know, uh, just on going on that for a second, I mean, the world is really a beautiful place if you think about it, but the thing with the thing with the world, just as the thing in a lot of fictions, and I find a lot of the stuff that I really, like a lot of my favorite movies, a lot of my favorite books, they're going to have a little, a little bit of horror, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of romance, a little bit of uh, action. Because that's kind of what life is like, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I think Alan Moore summed it up much better than me. Yeah, and he said, you know, if you got a good, if you got a good life, you'll have a little bit of all of that, and if you're lucky, a little bit of pornography as well. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and um, so I guess like sort of modern for you is sort of like not just drawing from like one specific uh, inspiration or one specific genre to tell your story to build out your world. Um. And so, yeah, there's the lantern, uh, Superman. I mean, obviously if you look at the costumes side by side, you'd be like, Oh, that's if you, if you didn't know anything about the characters and you saw the characters side by side, you'd be like, man, that's a rip off of Superman. But the uh, power sets are totally different. Uh, but I always love that. Like Superman, uh, just the heart of a lot of the stories, man. And I, I don't know if I can save that person. I don't know if I can do that, but we have to at least try. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same phase of this summer, just sort of being in love with Superman and his stories. So it's very cool to see comics sort of be inspired by that kind of hero, you know, uh, because a lot of people are afraid of draw, of writing a Superman like character because they are afraid it's boring, you know, uh, like you know, for a while everybody was like, you know, the the dull characters are the ones like Captain America and Superman. Um, you know, and then, but like, I, I kind of disagree with that there completely. Um, I both agree and disagree. 
because Superman in the wrong with an unskilled writer absolutely can be boring. But on the flip side, when you have a good writer who understands the character and understands how to uh, work around that, they can have some great stories. I agree. Yeah. And it's also a matter of loving the character too and wanting to keep him, you know, the character maybe stay true to it because you can say that about any, any superhero can be boring, you know, if it's written by a, an unskilled writer and, uh, but at the same time, yes, like Superman is just like every other character. And that archetype is, is important to have around. Cause I'm always afraid when people say that, that they're like, well, that means that there's no room for Superman in modern storytelling. And, uh, or Superman-like characters in modern storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Bill, I want to turn back a little bit to the, uh, the, the turning the, the idea into to the comic. So you had the name, and then you sort of, I guess, from there, if, if I'm remembering correctly, you, you sort of had the idea for, for the look. Uh, but you then had to go out and find, find an art team for this. Uh, so what was that process like? Oh, Yes. Um, so yes, I took my, my horrible drawings that everything originated from. And it was funny because before I even went and found an artist, I wrote out a lot of volume one. Um, I actually did it a little bit differently than normal. Cause I wanted to say I had written three, two or three fully before I even went and found an artist because in my time, uh, kind of going around to two comic conventions seeing other independent creators talking with them there's a lot of creators that you see that first issue and you might not ever see that second issue mm-hmm. and i didn't want that to happen to me so i wanted to make sure that i was ahead i mean before we even started the art i was probably five and six were totally written uh, but as for far- finding the artist i uh, went on an online forum um, there's a couple different online forums out there that uh, kind of like classified ads, but it's writers seeking artists, artists seeking writers, and uh, vice versa. Everything in between, colorists and letterers. Uh, went on there, I found uh, Raphael Crestani, who was the artist for Kinetic Volume One, and uh, went and found him. I really liked his artwork and uh, struck up a deal. And next thing you know, we were making artwork. Um, by the time it came to hiring a colorist, I had put an ad on uh, one of those same forums. I put up like an ad post to, hey, writer seeking a colorist. And at that time, I had a hundred different colorists who sent me their portfolios. Wow. It was very overwhelming. And the, and the funny thing about it was out of those hundred, not one was bad. Now, when I say that, there were portfolios that weren't the coloring that I was looking for because I was looking for kind of that uh, very colorful, very old school, uh, almost like maybe a 2000s, 1990s, 2000s superhero, like bright superhero style, you know, with the vibrant colors. Mm -hmm. There were portfolios that didn't fit that mold, but there wasn't one that I looked at and said, Oh yeah, this is a definite pass. This guy doesn't know how to color. Um, and then around the same time, uh, Lucas Catoni, who is my letterer, 
uh, he had reached out and just said, Hey, you know, I know you're not looking for a letter, but I see you're putting the, the creative team together. If you ever want a letter let me know. And, uh, I was really, uh, really turned on that. Well, I turned on, I was really, I was really happy that he reached out to me and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm like, like this guy's a go-getter. And he had a great portfolio and hired him on. And next thing you know, we had the full team. That's, that's very cool. With all of those colorists uh, coming through, did you, did you, uh, did you run any like to, to the, to the artist that you had found said, Hey, do you think there's anybody that might uh, fit, uh, fit your style well, or was that sort of a decision you made all on your own? Uh, that was a decision I made almost on my own. But the funny thing was, uh, it was actually the other way around for the final artist. Um, I had two candidates who were both really, really great. And actually that I both, that I used, it was, uh, and it was funny because it was Raphael Crestani and uh, Renan Shodi. Okay. Uh, both very talented artists, both from Brazil. And both have a very similar style. Um, it is, I'd almost thought for a second that they were the same person <laughs> just because they both, oh, and they both came from the Ed Benes studio down in Brazil. Okay. So I thought, well, maybe this is the same guy and they're just doing that. You know, maybe he's just trying to get, maximize his chances. But uh, I went and I actually had line work from both of them and Renan did a little more, um, a little more grayscale. So he would have more, t- more toning in the black and white versus Raphael who just did kind of the lines. And uh, I went and ran that by another colorist who I had met, Jeremy Caldwell. Uh, for you, those of you who don't know, Jeremy Caldwell is the colorist on Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, when that uh, series had come out. And I met him at Emerald City, and we got to being friends at, over the course of uh, seeing him at a few conventions. And uh, he had recommended, he said both were really good, but as a uh, colorist, he'd have to watch out a little bit more with the Ren and Gray scale. Uh, so that led me to picking up Raphael Cristani. That's, uh, that's uh, very helpful to, to have somebody because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a production line, but, you know, if, if one of the, the aspects of it uh, sort of makes uh you know one of it uh one of the the areas of production slow down uh you know getting a little bit of a heads up there is uh always a key thing in indie comics <laughs> yes and i had ju- i just interviewed on uh, my podcast someone who said the same thing he said you know it's it's artwork but it's production artwork so know that cool um so I think one thing that was interesting that you said is that you sort of were going to the cons and sort of uh, talking to, to, to indie creators. Uh, and you had said that, you know, there's a lot of folks that you, you see the first issue, uh, but you don't, you don't see, you know, the, the follow-up issues or they don't, they don't stick with it to, to, to get a five volume trade or an eight or an eight issue uh, trade. Um, so was there anything else you learned sort of going around talking talking to creators where you, um, when you were doing that uh, as a writer, were you were you seeking out uh, other writers to sort of start at 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 that sort of uh, creative point? Um, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, you're Hello? you're yeah, you're here. Okay. Sorry about that. 
Um, yes, I was, but at the same time, I was just more seeking out people who were doing it independently. Um, even when I was younger, even when I wasn't doing comics, I've always had a penchant kind of for the uh, person who who did it his own way and w- who went his own way and did it himself. I mean, to put it in perspective, back in the uh, 2000s, I had owned a Bricklin SV1 sports car. That was a sports car made in the 1970s, uh, 1975, 1974 and 1975. Uh, it's basically, it's the, uh, it's the fat baby of a 1970s Corvette and a DeLorean. Cool. Because uh, it has the gall wing doors and uh, just that 70s style. But that kind of sums up me. <laughs> uh, that I always had some something for people who were said, hey, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to try. Very cool. And a lot, it hardly ever works. Yeah, um, so... It hardly ever works. So, um, with the uh, new volume, uh, Kinetics Identity, you you said it's a... uh, 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 It it could be a starting point for other folks, but it would also be helpful if uh, people had read the the volume before. Um, You had said that you did a lot of... uh, You know, once you went into Kinetic... Um, the the first volume you had written ahead. Um, have you written ahead in, in this volume? Uh, yes, and that was one of the holdups that I think really made it take a while for me to get to volume two. Because I did I didn't want to make the same I don't want to make the same mistake. I am I am terrified of doing work where it's going to be on a monthly schedule. And I would much rather say, hey, well, let's take a little bit of time on the front end and get it get us covered. So in case there is a production, uh, I guess it's not a production delay. I guess if the production is going faster, that we have a little buffer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, yeah, I'm sufficiently ahead. Um, there's still, I think... I think this is going to be eight issues, kinetic identities, uh, just like volume one was. And I want to say the first three are written. Then I actually have the ending written, but there's a little in there I have to fill. But that's a, I, I'm thinking from, from a writer's standpoint, that makes you comfortable knowing that you, you, you do have that, that end point, you know, maybe that last page of, of issue eight. So you're always working towards that ending um and you and you know where you're going so that's got to be a comfort to you yes and i think there's a lot of writers who work that way um i know there's some who just and sometimes like i whenever i write prose uh like right now i'm kind of working on a a novel or a short story i don't know what it's going to become that's just me like i sit down i'm like all right let's write and then i just write i don't know what's going to come to me i don't know how it's going to end i don't know where it's going uh but for comics and for this being especially what I'm most known for. Mm-hmm. I want it to be very meticulous. I want if there's a scene in if there's a if there's a powerful scene in the first issue, I want that I want it to be sort of called back at a later issue. Um I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of like arc words, arc phrases. Um 
That's that's cool. And um, so, uh, how, did you collect uh, all eight volumes in a trade? Is that something that you're you're contemplating if you haven't done uh, that already? Uh, yes, issues one through eight were compiled in a trade. Okay. Uh, that was actually my second Kickstarter that I ever ran back in November of last year, November of 2019. Uh, we successfully fulfilled it around January, February, and uh, now I'm running this Kickstarter for Kinetic Identities. And uh, so for this one, um, are you planning, so like, so is this, this Kickstarter will fund the next volume and then like it'll be like you'll release each issue like will you put them in comic shops or sell them through your site or how do you distribute the issues afterwards yes uh well my main distribution was comic conventions uh, uh, which yeah. obviously right now we us recording in august 2020 uh comic conventions are not happening but uh that was my main form of getting them out there. Um, I made Kinetic Volume 1 and the first eight issues. I made, had them set up so that Diamond could distribute them. Uh, so they have the barcodes. They look professional. Um, I sent it out to Diamond to uh, submit it over to get distribution from them, and I never heard back. I had submitted over about three or four times and never heard, never heard a peep from them. Yeah, that's so, so hard. But I have gotten... Uh, I have gotten kinetic. We did a limited local release in the Seattle area. Nice. Um, that was basically me going around talking with a bunch of different, uh, comic shops out here. And it's a little bit easier, you know, when you see people and you know, them. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew most of the comic guys. So, um, and then uh, there, they are in some shops, you know, when I go to, con when I would go to conventions, I would see, you know, retailers there. So I'd always try to make a nice retailer bundle. Uh, and that's always nice too. So I'm not, if I fly out there, I'm not flying home with stock. I'm, I can get rid of as much as it as I can. That's uh, key. The, yeah. You get the more the, drugs in your suitcase that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the uh, main way I got out there was comic conventions. I also have an online shop. And uh, when I started doing Kickstarter, Kickstarter itself is, is actually its own it's, it can be its own revenue stream. It can be its own way to, uh, to kind of uh, move inventory in a way. Now, yeah, you're, you know, people are pre-ordering these products. Right. People are pre-ordering these books. But, uh, and I'll tell you about this, my, my Kickstarter for Kinetic Volume 1, if that had been a convention, that would have been my best comic convention that I ever did financially. Mm. It would have been my second highest amount of books that I had sold. Wow. And it had none of the expenses of if I go and do C2E2, fly into Chicago, getting a hotel, having to pay for food. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a, a way that I look at it. And I actually wish I had gotten... I wish I had done crowdfunding earlier on in my career. That's cool. So like, are you the, um, so on the Kickstarter, then we talked about formulating an art team. What does your Kickstarter team look like? Are you handling this on all front marketing, 
networking, you know, everything there or, you know, or, or do you have someone helping you out on that side of things? Uh, yes, it is mostly me. I am lucky that my artists like working with me, or at least I think they like working with me. You never know. Um, that, uh, this, time, this time around, I actually have three covers, and uh, the creative team is the same, except for Rafael Crestani, unfortunately, got picked up by a publisher in, not Paraguay, uh, Portugal. Wow. Like a European publisher picked him up. So uh, I, uh, we unfortunately had to uh, lose him. Uh, we were, he's been replaced with Luis Rivera, who I actually met at uh, Wizard World Bay Area in Oakland. Uh, oh, he's nice. actually a, uh, he's a native of Oakland. Uh, went there. It was funny. I met him, and we just kind of clicked. And I really liked his artwork. And I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for an artist." So talked with him a little bit about when he got back. And uh, but as far as the marketing, the marketing is mostly me. It's uh, it's almost a full time gig. It's going on Twitter, going on Facebook, letting people know. Even even just writing emails or sending. Uh, sending messages to people just saying, Hey, you know, just so you guys know, uh, kinetic identities one is out on Kickstarter. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But I am lucky that the art team that I have, uh, both my cover artists today, they did, uh, they did little shout outs for me on social media. Uh, we have three covers for this and it's Lewis, uh, Lewis Rivera, who's the interior artist. And then Jason Metcalf, who's done stuff with uh, Zenoscope, IDW, and uh, more recently, Valiant Entertainment. And uh, Freddie Williams, who has done uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they were yeah, nice enough awesome. to give me shout outs and link to the Kickstarter. So hopefully that helps out. That's great. How do you pick up um, artists like Metcalf and Williams? You know, with those guys, it, wa it wasn't an online forum. Mm -hmm. um, artists of that caliber are generally they're they're past the hump where they're going to get work they're going to get work because they're that good with them uh jason metcalf he's a native to seattle i actually met him at emerald city probably 2015 2016 uh liked his stuff and i was just like hey you know bought a print from him um some again later bought some more stuff from him eventually i ended up getting a commission from him and uh, then I was, by then I was starting to do the, get the books ready. And I was like, Hey, do you ever do, uh, do you ever do art for small publishers? And I uh, just got talking to him. Uh, Freddie Williams was similar. I met him at a convention somewhere. Of course, uh, I was friends with Jeremy, Cal we're Jeremy Caldwell, who was his colorist for just about everything. Mm -hmm. And I introduced myself. I'm just like, Oh, Hey, I know Jeremy. I'm good friends with him. I got talking with him and it's funny because with Freddie Williams, um, I asked him, I think it was Denver Comic-Con 2018. And I just said, you know, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to shoot my shot. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Alexander Hamilton. I'm not throwing <laughs> away my shot. So I was like, hey, do you ever do, uh, you know, do you, would you ever do a cover for a small publisher? And uh, he let, he let me down nicely. He says, hey, you know, I'm, uh, he's booked up with uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So he's like, look, I'm, I'm booked up. I can't do it right now. But he's like, I'll keep you in mind for later, uh, which usually I assume whenever they say something like that, uh, that's a no, but they're letting you down nicely. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, a, couple, a year and a half pass, I don't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, one day in my email inbox, I get, uh, 
Hey, this is Freddie Williams. We met at uh, Denver. Um, I just wanted to know if I have a little lull in my schedule. Uh, could I do a, a cover? Would you still want me to do a cover for you? And I said, yes, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, the next thing you know, uh, he's doing the cover for me. That's awesome. That's really cool. And uh, is the same colorist on all those covers, or did the respective artists bring their colors with them on those? Uh, no, there's a, uh, there's a few different colorists. Uh, Jason Metcalf, his cover his covers are or his colors are usually done by Ivan Nunez. Um, Ivan Nunez has done stuff with uh, DC. He did uh, cyborg and uh, I th green, La green lantern. Yeah, it may, it may have been green arrow. I'm not sure. He, one of the green ones <laughs> and uh, Freddie Williams. He does a lot of stuff with Jeremy Caldwell. Uh, he was also the colorist on, Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, He-Man, Thundercats. Uh, he was also for uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. He was the colorist on that or the uh, cover for that. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So I think one thing that sort of ties into to a question that Noah had asked earlier about running the Kickstarter um, one thing, Bill, that you and I have in common is that we're both members of the, the comics launch community. Um, how much uh, do you find sort of being in a group of like-minded uh, creators is helping you sort of spread the word? You know, your project comes out, it, you know, we all sort of share it, you know, and the next person comes out. Um, for, for myself, I know it's, it's a great resource, but I'm, I'm assuming it's the, it's the same for you. Yes, um, I, I cannot speak the praises enough of the Comics Launch course. Uh, it's funny, before I joined Comics Launch, I had actually followed Tyler James uh, because Tyler James was with Comics Tribe before then. Mm -hmm. And I like to say Tyler basically was doing the stuff that I'm doing like 10 years prior. Uh, he had a lot of articles on Comics Tribe about uh, UPCs, ISBNs, uh, practical advice for somebody make, making comics. Mm -hmm. And I was always kind of reading those blog posts. In fact, the, uh, his ISBNs, UPCs, barcodes, oh my, that, that article, which I think is from 2013, I have bookmarked because it is such good knowledge and has such good resources to go to there. But uh, I had been doing that. I had, uh, and then I started seeing uh, this comic strap come up and it clicked and I was like, oh yeah. So I was a little concerned because before I joined Comics Tribe, I actually already had out uh, quite a few books and I think I had sold about 3,000 or so. So I was like, well, hey, is this going to work for me who's actually, you know, kind of already doing this or is it just going to be for a new creator? Mm -hmm. Tyler assured me, as I'm, I'm sure anybody would in that situation, as long as you want it to work for you. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, we were talking that uh, a lot of the times, one of the great things about Comics Launch is that if, uh, you know, you've had a, or if you encounter a problem, uh, somebody in that group has probably already encountered that problem. So a lot of times you're able to sort of say, hey, you know, this is what I have right here. Um, what, what, should, what should I do? Or does anybody have a th any thoughts? And a lot of times 
folks from that group can come in and say, you know, when I encountered this, this is what I did. Or when I encountered this, I had to think about these three things. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as an individual, you have blind spots. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter who, who you are. Just some of us are better at some things than others. But when you get a group like Comics Launch, where there's so many people in there and so many different personalities and it's not just the community it's being able to reach out to the community and being able to trust this community uh for instance when i was uh, before i launched kinetic identities number one i put out the preview page for kickstarter and i just said hey guys i would love feedback for the preview page and i got some wonderful feedback uh, someone said something about because I'm I'm used to knowing kinetic I've I've created kinetic so I know everything there is to know um, one of the uh, one of the gals who was in in comics launch said hey I don't know what his powers are and it was just something that I hadn't put in there because I just assumed oh yeah they'll know and just little things like that or uh, uh, one of the creators had a great idea for uh, kind of a marketing deal. He said, I, I tried this, I tried this marketing deal and it worked out for me. And I was just like, man, that's brilliant. I've never heard anything like it. Uh, it's something that I would love to try. And then I started thinking, Oh, it's something that I would also love to try like before my Kickstarter, because it'd be a nice one, two punch. So yeah, I just, I have, I have nothing but good words and probably don't have enough good <laughs> words for the community and comics launch. Very cool. Well, um, I've, I've enjoyed uh, talking to you about Kinetic, um, and we're, uh, we're certainly going to talk about it on the way out. But um, is there any other stories? I know that you said that you, you're, you know, you're sitting down and you're writing some prose work that you don't know if it's going to be a novel or a short story. But are there any other stories that you want to tell outside of Kinetic or maybe something that's in the Kinetic universe that's uh, slightly different? Um, yes. In fact, uh, this kind of uh, segues me here. So when I was talking about, um, one second, let me, get, let me get my bearings. So when I was talking about when I did the Kinetic Volume 1 trade paperback Kickstarter, that was my second Kickstarter. Well, my first Kickstarter was actually for a something totally unrelated to Kinetic, uh, kind of a lighthearted time travel adventure that was going to be called Time Nomad. And it was my very first time I had done any Kickstarter, it was after I finished Kinetic Volume 1, so I was going around selling the books, and I was thinking, well, now, now what? And uh, Time Nomad failed on Kickstarter horribly. Um, I think I had a $3,500 goal, and I think I raised $450. Um, and it's partly because I didn't, I didn't know anything at all about Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. um, there was a couple things I did wrong. I took... I did five conventions during the time that uh, I was doing the Kickstarter. So I thought handing out flyers would be enough to actually take a flyer and then automatically go and pledge to the Kickstarter when it doesn't really work out like that. Uh, but I would love to go back to Time Nomad. I think it was a fun story. Um, just right now I'm focused mostly on getting Kinetic done. I do have a couple side projects with... Uh, um, I have kind of a... Uh, a sci-fi horror that I'm working on and uh, that's something else that I was working on. And it always seems like 
kinetics, what I always focus on because that's what I know. And mm -hmm. also that I know that the market, like the more it does well on the market. Very cool. Well, Bill, I, I enjoyed talking uh, talking comics with you. Um, but as we close out, um, and I'm going to give Noah a chance uh, in case uh, he has any any final questions for you. Um, Noah, do you do you do you have any uh, final questions or final uh, thoughts? Uh, no, not not really. I'm I'm just excited to to read the book eventually and hopefully meet you at a convention someday. It's uh, been a pleasure. Yeah, hopefully we can get back to some semblance of normalcy. Uh, yeah. Sooner rather than later, I hope. Yeah, I I I I I agree with you there. It's it's uh it's been quite uh, some time since all of us uh, comics makers have been able to sort of get under one roof and and see each other. So that that's that's going to be great. Um, Bill, uh, so as we close out, give us uh, uh, one more time. Give us the the elevator pitch for for this uh, Kickstarter Kinetics Identity and um, uh, let people know where they can follow you online to, to stay up to date with this and uh, you know future projects that come out. Yeah, absolutely. So Kinetic, imagine that you're developing superpowers. There's just one problem. Your city already has a hero, but that hero's kind of a jerk. He doesn't really care, and you think you can do a better job, and it becomes a, a superhero turf war. Now, with Kinetic Identities 1, Kinetic has beat the bad guy, mastered his powers, and got the girl. Well, now what? And that's the uh, follow-up for it. Uh, Kinetic cool. is, yeah, uh, Kinetic is live on Kickstarter now through September 12th. Uh, it's super easy to find. You can go to www kineticcomic.com and it will take you right there very cool and do you uh where are you most active uh, on social media uh is it uh instagram twitter facebook on social media you find me at on twitter uh, i would be at seattle underscore y comics uh, you can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash ycomics.net. And I'm also on Instagram. I want to say it's ycomics underscore Seattle. Uh, just know I'm not as active on Instagram as I am on Twitter. If you want to get in contact with me, my Twitter. Okay, cool. Well, we'll have links to, to all of that. And we're certainly going to have a link uh, to, to, to the Kickstarter um for for everybody to check out so uh bill i'd like to thank you uh for for being on and i'd like to encourage everybody to to jump over to the to the kickstarter page and, and check it out because uh i i've enjoyed uh the kinetic books in the past and I, i'm a i'm a backer of, of this kickstarter so everybody else should check it out as well yeah so, and i want to thank you guys again for having me on Cool. No, no worries. Um, so for everybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on whatever podcasting service you'd use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we are on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is ConstructingComicsPod. Facebook and YouTube is ConstructingComics. Uh, also, check out the Facebook page for Ageless Press, the Instagram account for Dino Thrashers. Uh, there'll be some uh, Kickstarter news coming out uh, September 1st of 2020 about that. Um, links to our social media um, as well as Bill's in the show notes. Remember that links to the Kickstarter. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Everybody, 
please uh, be nice to each other, each other. Please be safe and go out and make some comics. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody and have a, have a good night.